On this edition of Music Day, a verified hit, That's What Friends Are For, a conversation on friendship, music distribution, and the future of music business with our guests, Troy Carter and Jay Irving. We're going to tell you stuff people won't tell you. Real talk with experience. We're talking business up in here. We're going to give the people what they want. That's what I'm talking about. Welcome to Music Day, a verified hit. And today I have two of the most out-the-box innovative brothers in the industry. First, we have Jay Irving. Julius J. Irving is the founder of Human Resources, an industry-leading independent digital distribution company whose clients include Aunt Clemens, Pink Sweats, Baby Rose, and YBN Namir. Founded in 2018, Human Resources has powered the rise of numerous critically acclaimed top artists crossing over 1 billion streams for projects released under its banner in less than 18 months. Previously, Jay also served as co-president at Adam Factory, where he signed Charlie Puth, managed Nelly and Jeremiah, and oversaw several investments, including one alongside Usher, to provide school supplies to underprivileged children. Welcome, Jay. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Glad you're here. Glad you're here. And then we have your partner in crime, Mr. Troy Carter. Troy Carter is the founder and CEO of Q&A, a technology and media company focused on powering the business of music via distribution, services, and data analytics. Formerly, Troy was the founder and CEO of Adam Factory, where he rose to prominence nurturing the careers of global superstars, including Lady Gaga and John Legend. He most recently served at Spotify as a global head of creator services, overseeing the company's growth strategy for artists and record labels. In 2017, Troy was also named entertainment advisor to the Prince Estate. His interest in the intersection of technology and culture resulted in the formation of AF Square Investments. Early investments include Uber, Lyft, Dropbox, and Spotify, to name a few. Troy currently serves as a trustee for the Aspen Institute, Los Angeles County Museum of Art, and Cal Arts. Welcome, Troy. Thanks, Monique. Thanks for having us. I'm excited to have you guys because you guys have really done some fascinating things in this industry. But I want to go back. I want to take it back because one of the things that stands out is your loyalty and friendship over the years. And that says a lot. So let's talk about you guys as teenagers in Philly and how you guys met and connected. Let's take it back. Jay, Jay, do you have me? Did you have me sign an NDA years ago? Or anything? Can I talk? I don't think so. Your secret's safe with me. No, it's funny because Jay and I, we don't um, often get to do these together, so it's it's fun to be able to uh, to do this. But you know, we go we go back. Jay's one of my oldest friends. But you know, both of us came up in Philly together. Um, you know, I remember you know Jay and and his brothers and like and their crew. They basically used to have like the good parties, um, used to co come into Philly, 
trying to take all the girls and you know that that whole thing and um but you know we had uh it, it was like i i had my crew jay had his crew and it was a bit of a rivalry coming up yeah. and then you know year like years later we ended up he was doing uh his management i was doing my management we ended up coming together and just and locked in ever since i love that jay you want to add into anything on that yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's um we had some fun times coming up, uh, you know, in in Philly, and and we're moving around in the same in the same circles, and um you know when we started to talk about um doing business together, you know, I quickly realized that Troy was a visionary and you know one of the smartest people that I that I you know know, and um it's kind of the vi his vision um is is uh is is something that you know from the from the onset was just super impressive and like I, you know because i'm he's kind of like the, i'm gonna be president one day and i'm like well you got to be mayor and <laughs> like but just kind of having that foresight for us like just not not just for me as as um you know partner and friend but just as you know a black leader in our in our um community of, of executives and um, he, he's, he's shown us the way over the years. And, and we, we always found good balance, you know, so, so where um, I think it's always been, you know, uh, up to this day, a very complimentary partnership, you know, because like Jay has um, incredible soft skills, like, you know, just great, great with people. And, um, and so just over the years, I learned a lot in terms of how to build relationships from Jay because Jay Jay goes deep, so um, so so you know very 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 few and then very deep like you know so so and that was just that that was the strategy so um, so just a lot lot of complementary skills. Wow. Now speaking of Jay growing up, you know here's a little small thing. Everyone knows that your dad is Julius Irving, like legendary. Ironically, my mom went to high school with your dad at, at Roosevelt, so they know oh, each nice. other. Nice. Super small world, super small world. Yeah. So tell them Raj said hi. I but um, <laughs> why don't you talk about some of the perks and the access that that brought you having D Dr. J as your dad? I also had Turquoise as my mom, who's from you know the South, and you know she um, yeah she's a southern woman woman so uh black woman so she you know she kept us all very including troy by the way she kept us all very grounded and you know any anybody that came to my house um she treated like they were her own kids still does actually um yeah, she she might still be me or troy to right now today <laughs> so i think the um you know at coming up the 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 perks um, you know, it, it did, it, you know, my dad's from Hempstead Projects, you know, my mom's from, from the mud in North Carolina. So, you know, they, you know, and it was a different era, like, you know, just in terms of there wasn't social media, there wasn't, you know, in Philly, you know, it was a thing, right? Because he played in Philly and, and between Philly and, and, and New Jersey. Um, but, you know, it, it just wasn't, the, the celebrity wasn't as massive as it is, as it is today. Um, but I think my parents kept me, you know, kept, uh, all of us super grounded and and I think like I feel like as it you know when I moved into my work life 
I feel like I fought it more than I embraced it, which, you know, in hindsight probably would have done more embracing than fighting. But, um, you know, I've always been um, uh, obnoxious enough to, to just want to do it on my own and, and feel like um, I kind of paved my own way, um, which is, you know, as much as I love sports and um, I, I just fought it, you know, I, I, I wanted to do something um, and, and have something that I could call <clears throat> my own and, and my dad really also pushed that you know he he um and and Troy can attest to this too like you know he he's a, he's gonna make us pay for dinner he's gonna you know he, he'll give you a nice roof <laughs> your head and all that but you know beyond that he's he's gonna make you earn it and you know I feel like you know the I I got that honest and I got that early so um you know it was you know I just I've been blessed with phenomenal parents got great relationships with both um, but, it, you know, it was I, the biggest perks was kind of being around some of these athletes coming up and going to the games and being a ball boy and meeting Magic and Isaiah Thomas and and Charles Barkley, who, you know, I'm still friendly with. And, you know, just some of the guys that I got to be around and the camaraderie that I saw in the locker room and, and that kind of stuff, I think, taught me a lot about, um, you know, team and, you know, relationships and, you know, in, in being going to war with someone, you know, that, you know, your guys, you know, because they, that's, you know, what they were, what they were doing. So lots of perks, but, um, you know, more uh, kind of molded by, you know, the, the, who my parents are as people than who my dad was as a basketball player. I love that. And it shows in your career path, like looking at both of you, Troy, you started managing Eve when everything was kind of all coming together with her TV series and then her moving to LA. What was that time period like early on in your career and your management days working with her? You know, it, it was good. You know, Eve and I met, you know, when she, she was 16 years old when we, when we first met. Yeah. Wow. So, um, so we, we go way back. And um, so she, she's from, Germantown in Philly, regular Philly girl, um, still to this very day, you know, I ran into her um, uh, in the last year and, you know, just sat down and talked to her for hours or whatever, but just the sa same, same exact person. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think it's just, she, that, that's, that's a relationship that's just special forever because she, gave, she took a bet that she didn't have to take on like, you know, just, I was super rough around the edges, like um, really didn't have any experience of, of, of being a manager or anything like that or whatever. But I just think we built such a level of, of trust with each other. And, um, you know, so she put a battery in my back, you know, and, and I think I did the same thing for her in terms of pushing her in certain things, you know, and, um, when she she definitely she didn't want to do TV and I'm like you gotta do it like you know yeah, we're, right. we're gonna we're gonna do this and um you know and she she it just was a trust there so good great experience though. How do you build that trust early on in a career with one of your artists? How is that trust built? Small wins like you know I think you know in the beginning you know just being able to get those early small wins just to kind of proof of concept, you know, showing up and, and being there when things are, 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 are terrible and when things are great, you know, so I think, you know, just when, because a lot of times people see the award shows or they'll see, you know, these sort of celebrations 
And you know, and that's that's a a, a, sm a very small part of the job, you know. But you know, as many nights when it's like, you know, is this thing gonna work? You know, is times when you know artists are broken and like you know you're dealing with family stuff or relationship stuff, mm -hmm. and you know those are the moments that you know you just try to show up in. And, um, and I, I think that's how you end up building a lot of the trust. I love that. And you did the same thing with Lady Gaga. I mean, you met her, she was Stephanie, and then she became Lady Gaga. Can you walk us through how that process was in her early career? Yeah, very similar to, to, to Eve. Like, you know, one of the things that Jay and I had done from the beginning was we never, it wasn't a thing about let's go out and sign superstars. It was, you know, um, can we find talent that we believe in and, um, and help usher them to, to, to success. Mm -hmm. And um, Gaga I met when she was 20 and, um, and, you know, we just started building. She, you know, she, I just was watching her MTV performance. And, um, you know, for her, she just was somebody who put in the extra work and mm -hmm. just had an, an incredible vision and super clear and, and somebody who studied all of the greats. And so, you know, she, she just, she showed up, she showed up more than anybody else could ever show up. So you always had to, had to level up. So she, she, she <laughs> definitely was one who, um, I, felt, I felt like we stretched each, stretched each other. Yeah, you did a good job of it. And with Jay, you were you found Floetry, Pink Sweats, and other artists. How was that process? How did you discover these phenomenal talents? Uh, I mean, a lot of it for us, especially back in the um, in in the Floetry days, was like it's gut, right? You know, I met you know these two young ladies from from London. Um, Marsha's voice just blew me away. I mean, I was at, like all she had, she, you know, as soon as she opened her mouth, you know, she, uh, her voice is just insane. And, you know, what they did together was, um, is, you know, just, it, it's one of those things that it, it cuts through the noise and it's kind of like, what the hell is this, you know? And um, um, I was just super impressed with, with them from the time we met and, you know, actually, um, Pat Shields, who invited us to, to, to do this with you guys today, she, we worked on Floetry together. And, you know, it was people like her and, and, and some others that took a chance on, on us and these kind of non-traditional, you know, young ladies um, from across the water with accents and they dressed differently and they didn't look like, um, you know, some of the stuff that was working at the time necessarily look or sound like. Um, so, folks took a chance on it and, you know, it ended up having a, a platinum uh, album, you know, that was um, highly supported and, and, um, and was critically acclaimed. But I think, you know, it's, it's all, it, for me, it's a lot of it is gut, you know, and just, you know, even Pink Sweats is like, he's, you know, when I met him, he's a, uh, he was a songwriter, you know, and um, he was, uh, he was this heavyset kid from Philly that just, always wore pink clothes and I'm like <laughs> pink clothes all the time and became, um you know and and it's like you know even for him like you know the the um the the first project was primarily like an acoustic project um which you know you don't necessarily think 
works for mainstream. But, you know, what, like what Troy was able to do with Gaga, you take something that's a little bit left to center and you, and you pull it into the middle and make it work for, for, for mainstream America. I mean, I remember Gaga being a writer and being in studio sessions and I would like tap Troy like, yo, does she wear these shoulder pads? Like, to <laughs> at home? like she has on pantyhose and shoulder pads right now. Like what the fuck is she, this is a writing session. So like seeing this, that star in, in, in people and being able to, um, make it make sense and, and, and make it work is something that I think that we've, um, that we pride ourselves on over the years. We, we try to, you know, not be what we call like ambulance chasers, like, you know, something heats up for a second and it's that microwave kind of hot in 30 seconds type of thing yeah. and people chase it and, it and it just doesn't have longevity or have the ability to last, you know? And, um, you know, we pride ourselves on doing things that we're super proud of and that we want to stand next to. And art has always been, at the front and center for us and music, you know, um, so, yeah, I think that's, that's the secret sauce is just, you know, Troy saying is, uh, do dope shit. And, you know, I think that's, <laughs> love it. you know, that's kind of our, our, our mantra. Now it's, you guys came from management and you talk a lot about following your gut. So let's talk about you guys following your gut and joining forces to start Adam factory management company. How did that all get started? How did you guys get the ball rolling on that? I came, I came in on that after Troy had started it. You know, I think we, we always find our way back to each other. You know, we joke that we had the longest standing black partnership in the history of, of, of music. But, um, you know, we, you know, it's, that's been the beauty of our relationship, right? It's like there's, when, when you know, you know, I kind of need that, that, that pull up, you know, Troy's always been there and we found ways to work together. We found ways to have success together. You know, I've recently compared our relationship to, to um, Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen is like, you know, MJ left the Bulls for a little bit, but he, when he, you know, he came back to win more championships and, you know, I feel like that's where we are today, you know, back in that, in, in, in that championship, you know, chasing, chasing the next, you know, the next wave of, of championships and, with me kind of focusing on, on distribution and, and, and the recorded music at the company and what, and what Troy's building, um, you know, on the tech side, on the back end is, it, you know, we feel like we're back to that, um, you know, back to chasing that ring again, um, you know, but, you know, I, uh, as it pertains to Adam Factory, it was, I was um, transitioning and, and, and jumped and was able to jump in and, and get involved with what Troy had going there. And Troy, how did you even start Adam Factory? What what was that process? Really just, you know, what with one artist, you know, so it was um, you know, when we start when we started Irving Wonder, you know, we we had, you know, even Flowetry were 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 the clients, right? You know, so it wasn't like we had this grand idea of, okay, we're gonna start this thing and we're gonna, you know, add on all of these extra people and clients. It sort of was it was talent led and Adam Factory was the same thing with um, when when I signed Gaga we we didn't even have an office at that point you know we ended up um, I was doing it out of my house and then you know like hired my uh, assistant and then you know added another person and, and just kind of built it and built it from there but you know I think you know the whole idea going to you know what you were saying earlier about trust it's um, you know, when 
when you're in the when you're in the in, in the boardroom in the office and you you know out out in the field you know having a team that I always know I got eyes in the back of my head you know and um and that and like that part to me is probably the most important you know because in our industry you know I I I, I learned the difference between um business associates mm -hmm. and and friends and yeah. you know and you know my 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 friends right now are on this zoom, this zoom call you know <laughs> in in terms of like you know just that 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 level of friendship and um and that's important you know so so and when you look at legacy and you look at generational legacy and you look at how it's done it's, it's, it's done through very tight familial networks, you know, and, you know, the fact that Jay's son works with us, the, the fact that my son works with us, um, the fact that, you know, it's just, is a like, is, is a very tight knit unit that carries over from both, from, from business and personal. So it's all sort of inter, inter, intertwined. So, you know, my guess is, you know, if, we, if we're having this conversation, in 20 years, it'll be, you know, same type of conversation, essentially, you know, mm -hmm. that, that, you know, what, what, what are we working on next? Mm -hmm. And Troy will still look like he's 20 years old. <laughs> this is my Zoom filter. <laughs> the light is shining right now. I got to get one of those lights that Lala had. Yeah, follow the light. The light will change your life. Follow the light. It will change your life. So, <laughs> so let's talk about Jay's company, Human Resources, and Troy Q&A about how you started those companies and then merged them together. I mean, obviously, the thing that I'm loving, the theme I'm seeing with you guys is the camaraderie, the loyalty, and looking out for each other and looking at the bigger picture. So why don't you tell me about how you guys started those two different companies and then how you guys have the conversation to merge them? Yeah, I'll give you my take. The, um... When we um, transitioned out of Adam, Adam Factory and Troy went to Spotify, I was kind of figuring out what I was going to do next. And, um, you know, the, uh, I, felt like an I felt like there was an opportunity to be disruptive in, in the, dis the distribution space um, and create a company that was um, sort of a hybrid between, you know, major labels and what they offer and distribution, com and, and distribution companies and, quite frankly, what they didn't offer, right? And um, doing deals that were... Uh, more artist friendly um, and the kind of deals that as a manager I would want to put my artist into yeah. um, and just in line with where I feel like the industry is growing to um, and um, you know and, and, and these young artists that you know being so um, self-sufficient and in, in kind of leveraging their the tools that they have to, to break as artists um, just looking at they're looking at um, the industry in a very very different way um, I met with an artist yesterday and, um, you know, 19, 18 year old kid from, from Dallas and, you know, was wowed by his music. And then we got a chance to sit down and talk. And, you know, I, before I got a chance to go into pitch mode, he was basically telling me how, you know, ownership was important to him and, you know, the kind of deal that he wanted to do. And I'm like, damn, you stole my thunder because like this is my whole pitch, right? So <laughs> having a you know 18 year old kid from, you know, not from a you know a, a city that's 
necessarily you know known for entertainment and the business of entertainment and kind of having the knowledge that he had it was like one of those you know we're on the right path moments right we're doing the right thing we are this you know these young people are talking because when Troy and I were coming up it was all about how do you get a record if you got a record deal you were lit and you know and 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 what we realized is like because we've done so many record deals it's like number one we're going to still have to go out and do a ton of work a lot of the work um, and number two is like, just cause you got a record deal didn't mean that you were on. And, you know, and then also, you know, you, you, you look back at all of the stuff that we've done and, um, you know, and, and these records that we literally our blood, sweat and tears have gone into and we've made, you know, we've made in the studio with these putting artists together with producers or songwriters or whatever, and we don't own it, you know? And, um, uh, we were, um, you know, just kind of the approach to human resources was giving artists an opportunity to, to maintain ownership. Um, and when Troy was transitioning out of um, uh, uh, Spotify and starting his new thing, it started kind of talking about, you know, um, my learnings over the last couple of years in the space and what I had kind of learned and me picking his brain because I knew he had something up his sleeve that was going to change the game. And, and it was, you know, just kind of one of those, shit, let's do this together type of, you know, moments and you know it just feels very very natural i mean i think some people would say it was planned because of going into spotify and being able to see what was there and you know me building what i was building that was so you know um complementary to what to what troy's doing and, and and being able to pull it back together you know i think we probably subconsciously in our minds knew you know knew that it was gonna it was gonna come back around anyway so um that's, that, that's my take. Okay, and Troy, that, that's, that's a great take though. <laughs> Troy, how about for you with Q&A, leaving Spotify and then starting Q&A, how did that come about? Yeah, just, just kind of looking at how the world was shifting and, and seeing what um, the impact that technology was having on all types of businesses. And although technology was moving music forward, you know, which was streaming and, you know, and a lot of the things that we were doing at Spotify, it wasn't really moving the business of music forward, you know, so, so people weren't building um, software on, on, on the back end. And so when you look at, you know, Amazon Web Services, you look at Azure from Microsoft, you know, you look at like Google's technology infrastructure, um, the music industry doesn't have um, any of its own. And that's what we were setting out to do and understanding that um, distribution was going to have to sit on top of it and that we still were going to have to have um, those, those relationships with artists and it, it was still going to have to have a soul to it. It was still going to have to feel creative. Um, the idea was, okay, let's merge these two companies together and um and and it was a e easy easy conversation so let's talk about right now let's talk about some analytical questions and all that good stuff so there's virtual concert tours that that's they're creating content for television and there's different examples of new ancillary revenue streams so in what ways are you guys doing this and is your company employing new ways to build music careers that pay doing these types of things yeah, the, the, the idea is, you know, can, can we build, 
can we one invest in companies that that um, that are you know building technologies that we feel like could be complementary? So you know that's something that we've been we've just never stopped doing, and you know we've been doing for the last ten years and um, just investing in a lot of early stage technology companies. So definitely have things that you know we've invested in in the uh, live streaming space. Um, also in um, the, the, the social space as well. Um, you know, we're investors in Triller, um, you know, which is competitor to, to, to TikTok. So we feel like there's a lot of opportunity. Um, mm -hmm. Where this is going is gonna be, so, like we, it, I, I don't think people understand the amount of revenue and opportunity that's gonna exist and with a lot less work for the artists, essentially. So, you know, I feel like we're moving to this model where, you know, it's going to be more of IP management, mm -hmm. um, you know, around intellectual property than it is even the talent management itself. So, you know, uh, like we're seeing a lot of, you know, the trends that are coming out of um, South Korea. And, you know, you look at the business that BTS has built, you know, Blackpink has built. Um, and a few other artists and, and, you know, what they're doing with technology is, is insane. And I, I feel like, you know, just some of the stuff that we're seeing that's coming, you know, we're going to see artists that are going to be, you know, built billionaire artists is going to be, you know, a, a normal thing that we see. It won't be, it won't be one-offs. Do you think that artists understand the importance of using the tech going the technology route versus going with the big huge record deal advancement do you think they're starting to understand the benefits of going this route versus the other yeah like i you know i think i think there a, a lot of a lot of people are starting to see you know how important ownership is right you know and, and um you know, when you look at the, you know, the news broke that, you know, Tyler Perry just broke the, you know, the billion dollar mark, you know, that he, that he's a billionaire and the difference between, you know, what Tyler did versus what some of his, the, the, his contemporaries and incredible directors, producers and actors that came along before him, Tyler decided I'm going to own it and I'm going to take the bet and I don't need the advance. And, you know, I'd rather eat ramen right now and, 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 and own it and it paid off in the long run. And I think artists, you know, the fact that you can get paid much quicker now takes the, the financial pressure off. So if, if we can wait a little bit longer, cause we went through a stage where, you know, if you look at, you know, early athletes um, and the statistics around early athletes and entertainers, for instance, right? you get smarter over generations, you know? So artists are, you, you see less and less artists going out just blowing money and not having anything long-term because they're saying, okay, 50 Cent and Chris Lighty paved the way with that vitamin water deal and that, took, that taught people uh, like us, okay, we were managers, we're like, oh, you could get equity in these companies now. We know how to do these deals moving forward. And, and you're seeing that in the artist community now. So I think they're getting smarter and smarter. Mm -hmm. And do you, like with that being said, are you considering partnering with any private equity companies to make, to take on the major record labels? We, we're our own private equity company. Okay. You know, so that's the thing. It's like, you know, we, we, what we're building 
is you know it's not it's not to take on labels it's 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 looking at how can we how can we reimagine the entire music industry mm-hmm. you know um and and i think the labels are one small piece of it and um and i think and and i don't necessarily think it's uh i i i'm not i'm not I'm not a believer that you don't need major record labels because I okay. think they do play a role. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily agree with, you know, with, with all of the, the, the deal structures or anything like that. But, you know, they, they, they have a, a deep level of domain expertise of, you know, of, of what they do. Um, they, they have, you know, infrastructure in place for certain types of artists that, you know, I, to break a major pop star as of now, you still need you know, some infrastructure in place. But with that being said, being able to provide alternatives is important. And so they can't, they can't be the only game in town. Right, right. And now we all know the music industry has changed. Considering the payout for a million streams is not the million dollar payout that the sale of a million units of physical music was once. And without concert and touring revenue, how are you guys helping your artists make money now? Jay, do you want to tackle that? Yeah, I mean, I'm a distributor now, so I'm not a manager. But um, the, uh, the, you know, I think that we've, we've um, in, in, in the distribution game, I think how we try to differentiate ourselves is to do more than, than just, you know, traditional distribution right where the dna of our company is built around you know management and the management dna so we are super shoulder to shoulder with our with our partners and you know trying to help them find opportunities to um you know to 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 really break and 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 showcase you know our our, our, their artists in in a real way during during this crazy time um, I think we've been able to pivot in a real way, in, in a real way. I think the, the, um, the artists have become, uh, you know, more savvy in doing things and finding ways to not only get music done, but also produce content, um, you know, during this time. Um, so I think it's, I think the, it's, it's definitely um, cleared out some of the, you know, folks that, that aren't willing to put the work in and that, and that don't have relationships and that aren't in, aren't willing to pivot and, 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 uh, and figure out what's next and kind of, you know, um, move to, move to that. Um, so it's definitely, uh, cleared out some of the, uh, what we call homeboy managers, you know, um, and, and <laughs> the people that are really taking the time to educate themselves and build relationships and, and, and ha- are, are now savvy enough to, to, um, create other, other opportunities. Now, speaking of which, we're in the middle of this global pandemic. It's just a completely different way of life that no one expected. Has COVID hurt or helped your business? I, I think it's, um, I would say it's pretty neutral right now. Okay. Um, I think it, but it's gonna be, you know, going back to your question that you were just asking, like the reality is, it's going to be a lot. It's going to the winter is going to be a little longer this year, right? You know, uh, it, it's going to the industry as a whole 
is not immune from what's happening in the rest of the world, right? So, you know, because I, I think just sort of that butterfly effect, because if people aren't going to be able to afford subscriptions, how's that going to impact? Um, how's that going to impact advertising? How's it going to impact, you know, we already see what's happening with the, with the live business. Um, with that being said, you know, when you look at trends when going back to the gaga thing that you when that was during the the um the recession of you know 2007 2008 mm -hmm. and gaga came out of that Katy perry came out of that justin bieber came out of that rihanna came out of that like you know you just saw you know just this wave of you know big 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 adele came out of that time just these big superstars, right? Uh, out of out of out of that out of that time period, and but at the same time, Uber came out of that, Lyft came out of that, like you know, a bunch of our portfolio companies. So it's it's a lot of opportunity when people don't necessarily see it in, in front of their faces, um, and then also it's our way of getting pushed into the future. You know, our whole team, we you know, we read Who Moved My Cheese. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was like, okay, let's do a refresher on this. You know, we anti-fragile, you know, um, like, so, so this is just par, it's, it's par for the course, par for the course. But I think this is gonna, this is gonna accelerate us into, into change. Mm -hmm. And it seems like you guys, speaking of accelerating the change, you guys know how to maneuver, where to go. So I see that your company recently opened an office in London. So what do you do to provide artists that sign with you? Um, do they have A&R and artist label services, creative design, promotion and marketing? How does that work in London? Um, shit, we can't wait to get back on a plane and get back to London to be able to really continue <laughs> to build it out. But there's a, there's a guy that we signed, that, um, I mean, not signed, um, that we um, uh, hired and partnered with out, out of, um, out of London, a guy named Matt Ott, and he's just, he's outstanding. I mean, he's a Swiss Army knife. He came from Spotify, um, but he's been signing acts. He's been, you know, marketing acts. He's been promoting acts. He's been doing playlisting, playlist solicitation for acts, SUS. Um, just, a, just a, you know, a phenomenal teammate. Um, and he's our, he's our boots on the ground in, in, in London currently. You know, we, um, one of our young, and our, my son actually uh, signed an artist, um, that culturally is um, like, you know, that guy in, in, in London on the, you know, up and coming rap, you know, uh, um, fashion, you know, cool world. Mm -hmm. um, we were able to do a partnership with a, a company called EMI um, based out of London, um, you know, to help help push that. So we have, you know, we have an artist there that's kind of our staple act. Um, Matt has signed a couple of artists from uh, out of the UK that are just very much in line with the texture of, of who we are as a company and is really starting to get some real traction on on artists there. But, you know, it was it was important for us to, you know, I think we, you know, Troy and I learned very early on, you know, in, in you know, our the first time that our company was was acquired. Um, and it was uh, um, we want we learned that we first learned that the world was bigger than Philly, then we learned that the world was bigger than the US. And, you know, and, and that there was a lot of opportunity and, and, um, and we had to kind of educate ourselves on, on all things. You know um, what happened? 
so 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 when we 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 sold our company to um to this company called Sanctuary Group out of the UK, and then I think like once a month they used to send us our like our 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 statements or whatever, like how much money we made or what our artists did. And then one time uh, they made a mistake and they sent me uh, Matthew Knowles' numbers because Matthew, you know, ran the department, and I saw how I saw how much money Destiny's Child made. <laughs> And I'm like, oh my God, I had no idea that this was even the opportunity. But it's like, it kind of opened, it, it opened up our eyes to like, okay, cause they, cause Sanctuary, they had Guns N' Roses, Destiny's Child, Elton John, you know, and you know, with us, like rap tours weren't big back then. And like, you know, you had, you know, dates that you could move around, but they weren't like big global ones or whatever, but you know, I shout out to Matthew Knowles for opening up our, well, for letting me intercept that fax. Yeah. <laughs> some of the greatest things occur with someone else's mistakes. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. So you're in London. So you guys seem to know how to maneuver, make the right moves. Do you plan on taking on any other foreign markets, perhaps maybe somewhere in Africa or anywhere else? Like where would be your next move be in terms of foreign markets? I would say, I mean, you know, we, wherever is great, you know, the benefit or the beauty of, of the internet is we get to see things that, um, you know, are, are happening in different territories that we wouldn't necessarily have access to before. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when <laughs> complete transparency, when we were, I personally was first played the, um, you know, Nelly's music, I'm like, down, down, baby. You're like, <laughs> <laughs> that was a jam though. <laughs> <laughs> nobody's gonna fuck with us like you know. and then you get on a plane and go to st louis and it's like oh this is the this is their culture like this is the subculture down here like this is you know he's talking to some street shit like you know it it for, for you know but we had to get on a plane to figure that out you know and i think nowadays with the beauty of the internet um and the connectivity of social media um i think it's you're able to you know to experience those things virtually um, so we're definitely looking at artists in, in every territory. We're just looking for great, right? It doesn't really matter where you're from. We're looking for great. And I think what we have to do um, as executives is be open, right? And, you know, when my son first bought me the Kid Lancy that we signed from London, I was like, um, I'm like, you know, UK rapper, you know, it's never worked. It's never crossed over. It's like, you know, it's not, not happening. And I kind of had to check myself where it's like, First of all, you didn't even listen to the music yet, <laughs> number one. And two is like, if he's a young kid that is, you know grew up in LA and he's into it, is already is already crossing. So you know, just kind of having to adjust to and not be so stuck in in being, you know, this is how we did it when we were coming up and how we did it before. Like really, truly listening to the young people around us, hearing them, right? Mm -hmm. It was only about my personal taste. I would only sign Stevie Wonder and Marsha from Flow Tree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so we we got to be open to, 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 we got to be open. Yeah. Now, speaking of which, with technology, a song or a record can gain exposure and be a hit virtually overnight. 
And as you guys are saying, in the 80s and 90s, artists would begin to hone their showmanship with another seasoned artist on tour together, featured our, our background singer. So Human Resources, your record distribution and label services company, has artist development as a centerpiece. How do you set up and develop artists in an instant world? You got to move the culture. Right? We're a culture first company. You know, I think that that's what, um, you know, we try, we're trying to, um, to, you know, that's the, that's the goal for us. And that's how we push our partners. That's how we push the team is move the culture first. And yeah. it goes back to um, Troy's mantra of do dope shit. It's like, if you do dope shit, you move the culture. If you move the culture, all of the other tent poles are going to fall in line, you know, um, whether it's, you know, playlisting or the live piece and, you know, collaborations and all of the things that it takes to kind of break artists. Um, all of those things will fall in line if you if you start to move culture. And you know, we more recently we've we've um, put in more, put more pressure on our team to to um, to build the creative around our releases that you know in a way in which they have equal amount of stickiness as the music, right? And and you know, the music has to be great, but the creative has to be great, and that's how the kids are gonna you know, that's how it's really going to be sticky with young people. But, you know, very simply for us, it's, it's figuring out how to move culture first. And, 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 and the thing is too, like, you know, um, Jay, Jay signed two artists who like, I'm, I'm fascinated with and um, ba Baby Rose and, and Jensen McRae. And these are artists that are, they're career artists. And, is like it, like you, you can't bake a cake in a microwave, and and so with certain you, it's certain steps that you just can't skip, and when you got real artists like this who actually make bodies of work, and it's not about I got to jump on this feature or we got to do this remix or or you know we got to rush and put this 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 track out. It's about experiencing them live. It's about understanding their story. It's about other artists becoming fans of those artists. You know, so it's, it's, it's things that, you know, you, you just can't skip a step. And, and, and although things are happening much faster, and I, I think it puts a tremendous amount of pressure on the artists. It puts a tremendous, like, and also just from a mental health perspective, you know, it's just, it's, it's so much pressure that I, like you, you see artists burning out quicker and quicker and quicker and dealing with a lot of mental health issues because you, you're expected to be in all of those places at one time. You know, you're dealing, you gotta produce a tremendous amount of content, you know, social media, you're reading the comments, you know, it's 24 seven news cycles, you know, so there's a lot of pressure and so it takes a lot of patience and experience to develop artists like this, you know. Um, so luckily enough, you know, um, we have partners on those projects who sort of understand how to play long on those and not the, you know, we're just going to burn this, this artist out in, you know, six, six to 12 months. You know, it's interesting you said that, Troy, because we just did a show about mental health and you know, anxiety and depression and suicide in the music industry and just in life in general. So what advice, because I, I love what you said about making sure artists don't burn out, 
But what advice do you give to artists as they're coming up in terms of not just not burning out, but when you have this overnight instant success, keeping your head in the game and making sure you stay aware of who's in your circle and keeping your mental health in check. What are some things or what some, what some advice you would give to an artist to stay you know, afloat and mentally healthy? You know, I, I always talk about um, per perspective, but like um, I was talking to a young artist yesterday um, and kind of sharing just some, some, some experiences that, that I've had where it's like, it's just one, it's a one, it's one picture because the artists, they, 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 they came to visit me and they were looking at a picture that, that, that was up. And when I saw the picture, I was thinking about that moment that the picture was taken. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this should have been, this is a moment that the artist, an artist would have dreamt of. And I'm like, it was a miserable day. Wow. And because what ends up happening is, you know, you work so hard for this dream and you got this idea of, this is going to make me happy and change everything. And when you get there is, is not what you thought it was going to do uh, for you, you know? So, cause, cause getting whole isn't about becoming famous. It's not about getting rich. You know, this is, is that that's a spiritual reconciliation that, that has to happen to get to that place of appreciating moments. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I tell young artists is like when, when you're in the studio for the first time, appreciate that. When you're in there for the second time, appreciate that. When you get to meet this person, appreciate that. When you get, you got to appreciate every single thing along the way, because it's like, if you get into this place of chasing and you get to this place of thinking it's going to happen, like, you know, like uh, you're going to meet this magic moment and all of a sudden it's going to be euphoria. It doesn't exist. And that's when depression kicks in. And like, you know, where, you know, we lost, you know, a, a, some of our friends and mentors and this business to suicide. Um, you know, we like just like the amount of, you know, specifically like with black men in, a, in, in, our, in our business, you know, we, we come from places of pride, right? You know, I, I know how my grandfather was, right? You know, just like, you know, you kept your problems to yourself. Um, my grandmother would say, what happens at 5133 stays at 5133. So you didn't tell nobody your family business. Yeah. So, you know, we go through this quiet suffering without anybody to talk to. And, you know, I think what like Chris Lighty's death had, had done was opened up a bit and, and when Shake um, uh, killed himself, um, I think it opened up a, a dialogue where people checked in on each other, you know, and, um, and, and I openly, like in a lot of interviews talked about you know, being depressed and, and dealing with, you know, financial hardships and, and things like that. And I, and I did it at a time where it was like, people didn't talk about it, but I'm like, I know what I went through by myself, like in my head. And I'm like, 
I wish I would have known other people went through that. So to be able to give me that light at the end of the tunnel to know I could get out of that and I, I don't have to suffer by myself. And that's real because you're going to give that to someone else. So through your pain, you found a purpose and you're going to be able to help other artists and other people in general. Mm-hmm. Jay, did you want to add anything to that? I mean, it's, it's, um, I wish more people had the benefit of a network like, like ours, right? Cause we have real genuine friendships and, you know, I've been blessed to be surrounded by a group of guys that will, you know, that I can talk to that, you know, we, they can check me when I need to be checked when, um, you know, and that, you know, we're the type of crew where it's like, you know, those pants are look crazy, like, or you've been, <laughs> in the, you know, you've been working and out for a week straight, like go home, like you got to go see your kids or you, you know, or, you know, talking you off the ledge when you're, you know, when you're, when you're, when you're, um, you know, when you're going down the, the, the wrong path, I think we, we've, I've been blessed to have a network of, of, you know, that, that I can be vulnerable with, that I can talk to about things that I can go to for help that you, that have seen me, you know, in up, down and all around. And, you know, it's, it's, I encourage people to, you know, to find a network to, you know, that's, that's as supportive of, as the network that I'm, you know, that I'm, you know, blessed to be a part of, you know, cause it's, that's what it's about. I mean, if it wasn't for, you know, my homies, like, I, I, like, I don't know where I'd be, you know, and um, it just makes a huge difference. And it's, it's, we try to, um, you know, I think, I think the, the uh, Troy kind of alluded to it a little bit earlier when you, when, you know, because sometimes we try to be who we are to people that aren't like we are. And, you know, it's, so it makes, extending our network tough sometimes, you know, because yeah. folks are not necessarily cut from the same cloth. Um, and that doesn't make ours right or, you know, wrong, or, but my, my crew is right for me, you know, and yeah. I think finding people that are, are supportive, support you, that you can talk to, <clears throat> that you can open up to, that understand you, that help um, build you and help grow you, you know, I, that's, that's the part that's going to, that's going to make a difference. Like I, I truly believe we are a makeup of the six people that we spend the most time with. And I try to make, you know, that those six people count. Right. Um, you know, and, and, and it's just, it's, it's the, it's a testament to, to who we are as, as, as men really, you know, and, and the women around us and how much they support us as well. But, you know, that our, our friend group is special and, you know, I I just hope that everybody has the ability to find, um, you know, a a similar network. Yeah. Cause it, it, that is so true because like where you, you information, access to information is probably the, the, one of the biggest things that we learn. And, you know, cause I, I think people talk about sort of, access to capital, access to, you know, people and, and all of these things. When you got, when you have people that you trust that you can get information from and share information with, the, the, the strength that comes in that is what built generations of, of, of legacy, you know, so, so, that was that was those friend groups talking at country clubs and on golf courses and 
you know, uh, white only men's clubs and, and, you know, um, you know, yeah, yes, son's going to marry my daughter. And, you know, just, they, they kept those, and it was a lot of information shared within those networks. And, you know, so I think one of the things that we learned was, you know what, we're, if, if I know something, you're going to know something, you know, if you could teach me something, I'm going to be open to, to learning from it. And I, so, so, uh, you know, I think, you like Jay said, it's like we don't see a ton of it in our in our in our business, but you know, it's important that you know we 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 try to set an example for it. Mm -hmm. I agree, and I think for a lot of artists right now, performing and doing concerts that sometimes was like a good release for them and a mental you know mental high and just being able to perform. And I know you worked with Live Nation as a music partner and right now the concert biz is shut down. So right now, what other assets do you provide when working with them? Because they can't perform, they don't have that outlet. So what are we doing now with that outlet gone? That's the beauty of social though. Like, mm -hmm. you know, so, so you still, it's, the, it's that feedback loop. You know, I, I, I don't think, you know, for a lot of artists they you know, they love the, the sort of in-person, um, you know, energy exchange of, be, you know, of being on stage. But, you know, the good thing is, you, you know, a lot of artists are still producing content. Um, it's been a, a ton of live streams. Like um, Jensen, who I just mentioned, you know, she, she's been doing them pretty much almost every week. You know, she, she's on, on some sort of live stream. Uh, Moses Sumney, who we work with, you know, Moses has been doing them and, you know, in you got brands that are paying artists to do these as, as well. So, you know, so it's, it's both revenue and fan engagement in it as well. Let me ask you something because your company started out as management companies that essentially took on the duties of past boutique labels, artist development, creative label services, publicity, etc. As a manager, have you ever been accused of having conflicting interests? No, uh, the the late the labels um, when they basically had to cut services um, during Napster and like so, so when the industry went through a downturn, mm -hmm. a lot of management companies had to fill in blanks of of um, where labels used to do. So you know before we would have never needed to have an internal promotions person or product managers or things along those lines. But when the services went down, you know, a, a, like a lot of management companies had to step in. Um, I think the, the biggest thing is to not double dip. So it's like, so if, if anything that happened, you actually get more, more value for the same commissions, essentially, you know, because uh, you, you still paying the same commission, but now you just got a much bigger team because the management companies had to fill in. And, you know, and that, that's, that was the sort of turning point where you saw, you know, whether it was, you know, what we've been doing, whether it was with, you know, uh, Gaio Syria Maverick, whether it was Rock Nation, you know, uh, Scooter Braun, um, uh, Red Light, you know, all of a sudden when labels went down, management companies had to basically bulk up just to make sure that we could still provide value to clients. Mm -hmm. And with, one of the things that I think is fascinating with both of you guys is that you use a lot of technology, algor algorithms, analytics. So with the advent of technology guiding us, do you think predictive analytics will take over our guts 
or will soul prevail? I, th I think it's, I think the way, uh, the way we look at data is that it's a, it's a tool. Mm -hmm. So, you know, cause data actually comes from human, uh, it, it comes from information gathered by humans essentially, right? From behavior. So, you know, so the behavior had to come from somewhere. The behavior didn't come from the computers. So, or, or the, you know, and algorithms are built around that, uh, around that behavior. So I don't think, I don't think it ever will, gut won't get replaced. Okay. Data is, it, it, it informs you on information that's surfacing, but what people are mistaken is that most of the times, especially with data around music, um, is not is is not contextualized properly. Mm -hmm. So, like you know, we you know when when I was at Spotify, you would see records come in, and they'll come in, and and all of a sudden you'll see it has a, oh my God, the skip rate on this record is so high. You know, maybe this this record isn't a hit, and that's not actually the case. It's like people skip by because it's not it's not familiar to them yet. Mm -hmm. So once you get familiarity or, you know, all of a sudden, um, you know, a, a music video will come out around that song and then people all will say, oh my God, I love it, you know, because it's contextualized different. But if you let the data tell you, the data would have told you that that record wasn't a hit. Mm -hmm. so, so this is where I feel like we can't become overly reliant on analytics. We just gotta, we gotta understand that it's a tool the flip side of it is where it works to our advantage and it works where one is on the consumer side. Okay. Because when like the fact that the, the algorithm will know you, will understand what your schedule is or what you're doing at any point in your life. Okay, you know what, um, you're going to the gym and uh, Monique's at the gym. I know to turn on this playlist. Okay, she's coming home at at at, at seven. I know, I know I know exactly you know what what to put on right now. I like you know so being able to prompt music when you didn't even know music should have been prompted at that at that particular time. So so it's, it's things like that where I feel like it'll be very useful. Yeah, I know my playlist is so confusing. I have gospel, I have WAP, I have Luther Vandross. They don't know who I am. So it's all over the place. So we need a WAP challenge, though. That's what we need. <laughs> we need I'm bringing that. You can't play WAP on Sunday, uh, su su Sunday at WAP. <laughs> After Yolanda Adams. <laughs> worship and praise, worship and praise. So, <laughs> Jay, you talk a lot about playlists, too. So. Tell me from your perspective, the importance of playlists and how do you guys get artists on the hottest playlist? How does that work for someone who needs the one-on-one -on, -one on that? I mean, playlists are, are massively important um, to, to moving the needle on artists. I think that we try to, you know, when I talked about culture, moving culture first, we try to have, um, you know, the soliciting of playlisting being more of a function of, of uh, you know, of, that's what it's, it's supposed to go in, you know, because of what we've done in terms of moving the culture and not having to ask, you know, favors. You know, I've learned that when, when Troy was at Spotify and I'm like hitting him up, like, yo, I need this artist in, you know, this New Music Friday or this or that. And it's like, sometimes if you haven't 
touch the culture first, you, you go in too early and it's, and, and you're not getting the, um, you're not getting it back. Right. Like Troy said, alluded to like the skip rates are high because people just don't, they don't, they're not familiar with the artist yet. They're not, you haven't touched the culture yet. Um, so I think um, getting to a point of, of being able to solicit playlisting and push for playlisting on a high level, you got to go out and do some work first. You know, it doesn't start there. And I think what the way that we challenge our team is like, bring me a, you know, bring me a, a, a marketing plan that doesn't include playlisting. You know, what, what, what are all the other things that we're doing that, do, that doesn't include playlisting that, that we're going to do to move the needle, you know, because you, we could get caught up in, you know, that old school record label shit where it's like radio, 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 radio. Everything is about radio and you're mm -hmm. not thinking about how to move the culture first before you're going to, to radio. And, and, you know, you can't, you can't just play, pay for playlisting. <laughs> so, you know, you got, you got to be able to move the culture in order for it to, to make sense and actually stick. What other, thing, what other things would you want to see in that marketing plan outside of playlists? I want to see what the content look what, what what the content strategy is, what the digital strategy is, what the social strategy is, um, what the live strategy is. Even in even in you know um, you know I had a conversation with someone recently about an artist, and they're like, there is no live strategy because of uh, you know COVID, and we can't do shows. And I'm like, that's not true because live is you know there's still an element of live online, um, and. You know, so I want to see all of those things. I want to see all of those temples and how we're moving all of those things. For it starts with the music, right? But mm -hmm. so you get the music, and then you're building to the creative, and then you're building a plan around these other temples that don't have anything to do with 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 playlisting. How do we get these editors to, you know, to know who these artists are and already be rocking with them before we before we go to solicit playlisting from them? And Troy, you mentioned, you talked about algorithms. Now, I think this is a quote from you because we're talking about how Cambridge Analytics used algorithms during presidential elections uh, and by Trump operatives. So does Facebook. So in a past interview, you said something to this effect, quote, Donald Trump's campaign shouldn't be more advanced than a Taylor Swift campaign. We should be way, way, way more ahead. I'm just excited about getting more PhD level data scientists into the music industry. So why do you think the use of predictive analytics is good for music? Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, it is it's cause in is it's right now in real time is it's still happening, right? So mm -hmm. so because when you look at what political campaigns have been able to do is figure out what messages resonate with whom yeah. and they produce um, batches of micro content and they test and test and test and test and test and then they target cohorts and in the, in the music industry it's like okay here's the ad let's just blast it you know let's sort of blast blast it out or here's the the the, the one or two pieces of content let's blast it out and, um, and, you know, I, I, it's, it's a company called Palantir um, who's been around for probably 15 years now or so. But when it, when it comes, like they built algorithms to, to track um, terrorist activity on, it, on the internet. Wow. And, and, and so, and it's all based upon, upon behavior. 
And so they're, you know, the CIA is their client, FBI is their client, DEA, governments, you know, all of these things. And then all of a sudden, Target hires them. Um, like, you know, all of a sudden you, you got like comp corporations coming in saying, okay, I understand now, you know, we got to go after specific audiences. And the music industry is just so far behind. Mm -hmm. So far behind. Yeah. Now I know we're nearing an hour and I, I just have two more questions. Number one, what would you guys say to artists who rely on numbers? Don't like streaming numbers. <laughs> say that again. Streaming numbers. Yes. I would say it, for me, it, it's about number, the number of fans. Mm. You know, like, cause, cause I think that is you, like, if you look at those are things that we measure for, right? It's like, it, you can have a, a crazy amount of streams, but how many of those streams did you convert to actual followers? Mm -hmm. And then how many of those followers could actually turn into fans, you know, because the fans like that, that's, that's your base. And that's who you mark. That's who you're marketing to. And, um, but I, like, I, I think the focus should be on, am I actually building fans? And, and is it quantifiable? Can I actually measure that? I like that. How about for you, Jay? You said don't. <laughs> I mean, I, like, I think, I think Troy is right, you know, in terms, of, in terms of fans. I think not getting caught up in the numbers is what I was referring to, you know, and not letting, um, you know, numbers kind of affect how how you move and and, and your creativity and and um kind of doing it for that i think if you're if you're making um the right records and you're doing the right things culturally like you'll get to the number mm -hmm. um but not making it all about uh all about the numbers okay and then one one last question for each of you first of all troy i know you did shark tank a few years ago and i was reading about that experience how or as you call it, the, they're more like little guppies, not really sharks. You said that Mark was great. And you talked about the importance of making sure there's a balance where you have that aggressive, you know, in your face, you know, where you give that type of advice, but then you have that understanding balance. Tell me more about that, because I think that's important. And I've seen that in this call with you today. Very down to earth forever. Yeah, I, I just think it's like the, the, the more real you can be with, information for people the more helpful you are to them you know so it's like you know it, it's if i could sit here and tell somebody oh you got you know the best idea or you know this thing's gonna work or i could give them just real um feedback and ask some of the hard the hard questions mm -hmm. and um you know i i don't have the best memory right like so so where like because i'll i'll, I'll but people like people will come back and say, oh, you don't remember when you told me X, Y, Z. And like, I, you know, I got to pretend like I, I remember what I, what, I, what I told them or whatever. <laughs> but it's like, it, it, it's being, being able to give people real information can help send them on the right direction. You know what I'm saying? And um, so, so that's, I just try to, I, especially when it comes to, if, if we're investing our own money, it, trust me, it's like, we, we're gonna ask, we're gonna poke every single hole in it. Right. And Jay, last question for you. A lot of this talk, this interview has been a lot about camaraderie and you guys have brotherhood. 
And, you know, I see you went to a HBCU, Clark Atlanta. And can you talk about, because HBCUs are a lot in the press right now with our vice presidential candidate who went to an HBC, the other HU, I went to Hampton. But talk about how that experience has shaped you as an executive and in, in terms of brotherhood and being an executive in this industry. Uh, I mean, I think it was, it was a phenomenal experience, you know, I think it was um, Atlanta in general, really, to be honest, you know, just kind of being in, 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 um, and seeing so many, you know, smart, um, motivated, black, young, young black people was, was fantastic, you know, and, and my, um, you know, the, the time in which I was there, um, you had uh, DJ Drama, um, Don Cannon, um, you know Lake, who manages um, Lil Uzi and and uh, and um, and Jack Harlow. Um, you know that was those guys, and they, those those are all Philly guys, you know. And they were all you know, we were all in college around the same time, and to be able to to, um, you know, kind of see black excellence, you know, during, you know, at, to start kind of my ramping up and going into starting, a, starting my business. Um, I think it was, uh, it was, you know, it was a phenomenal experience for sure. Well, you guys, thank you so much. This has been a great time. And I just, I love your relationship. I love your brotherhood. I could have talked to y'all for your ear off for another few hours, but thank you so much for joining Music Day. You guys are definitely a verified hit. And uh, thanks for all of those gems that you dropped today. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Music Day, a verified hit, is presented by the Living Legends Foundation, Inc. Real talk with experience. Please follow and share Music Day on Instagram at Living Legends Foundation and at Music Day Podcast on Twitter at The LLF Inc. Join us on Facebook, The Living Legends Foundation. Executive producers are Jacqueline Reinhardt, Mark Hill, Ken Johnson, and Pat Shields. Our associate producers are Shannon Henderson, Sheila Eldridge, Tony Winger, Vivian Scott Chu, and Varnell Johnson. Production by Mark Hill Creative. Talent booking, Black.LLC. Theme music by Wendell Wellman for Star Maker Global. Interstitial music by William Reinhardt. And I'm your announcer, Jay Johnson.